This morning, we got a lot of big things going on. Uh, if you notice that uh, Pastor Ken is not here, he's actually in Carthage right now because Pastor Embar is having a huge baptismal service. So let's give the pray- Lord praise for that. Yeah. Yes. And not only that, uh, Oakton Church has received a grant from the district, so it's getting presented today as well there at Carthage. So we're going to keep them in prayer. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for everybody that's here. I thank you for everybody that's watching. I ask that you be with this service that is uh, getting started here in just a few minutes in Carthage. I thank you for those uh, baptisms and those salvations right now and with our Carthage congregation and and campus. And I thank you for uh, the outreach that Pastor Embar and Olga are doing. And I ask that you continue to be with them. Fill them with the Spirit, Lord, and I thank you for this grant money that is coming in so we can expand and and reach uh, even more people than we already are. And so I give you all the glory and the praise. I ask that you be with this service today. I want to lift up the ice cream supper to you as well and all those that are going to be uh, partaking in that and, and inviting people. And I ask that as we invite people that their hearts are ready to receive that invitation to, to come on out and visit us at Oakton. And I thank you so much for everybody that's in these seats right now. And I thank you for those that are watching, those that are in Golden City with Pastor Jim and, and Suzanne. And I thank you so much for this opportunity. I thank you for the freedom that we have to gather here this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So once again, thank you for being here. If you were here last week, you got to hear me speak. And I purposely didn't tell anybody I was speaking again this week, just making sure you guys were coming back. I won't worry about it. But... <laughs> Because, you know, sometimes when the new guy preaches, it's kind of out of the norm, right? Everybody likes to hear Pastor Kent. He's a great preacher. He always has a good word for us. But sometimes, you know, you hear somebody else and like, okay, well, you know, glad that guy's over and we're going to get back to normal next week, you know? So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really tell anybody. I, was, I knew I would be here uh, at least two weeks. So thank you for coming back. And I really appreciate you guys being here. Uh, if you remember last week, if you didn't, watch it or if you weren't here, we talked about kind of that choice that we get to make on a daily basis of whether we're going to be a weed or wheat. And we looked at the, the, the parable that Jesus used and, and he talked about it uh, in, in Matthew and, and you guys can go look that up for yourself. But the reason I wanted, I was excited that I got to do two weeks in a row is because sometimes all we talk about is that decision that needs to happen. But today we're going to talk about how to take some action when that decision is made. And we're going to be looking at it, some scripture. I know you guys have heard it before, at least heard of it. I'm sure if you've been around church very long, um, and maybe this will be the first time. I don't want to uh, discredit that. But I want us to really be able to dig in and maybe just not get in that uh, mindset of, I've heard this before, I'm zoning out. <laughs> we don't, no zoning out today, okay? I understand if it happens, but let's try not to. Uh, but this week, we had VBS. There was a lot of you that helped with VBS. And so I want to thank each and every one of you guys that participated in helping and brought kids. And, and it was uh, sometimes kind of crazy. You know, and I want to thank uh, Miss Brooke Overman and Miss Carrie Meadows for, for being the leaders on that, and, and they did a phenomenal job. And at one point, I think the 133 ish, somewhere in there, uh, uh, somewhere around there, of kids came. 
And so you can imagine, and they went from preschool to sixth grade. That's a big range to try to keep, you know, corralled. <laughs> and, and especially for the ones that had the, the youngest ones, because they had my son. And my goodness, they are saints. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, you guys did awesome. Uh, but everything from the food to the planning to the, to the delivery, everything was spot on. And so thank you guys very much. And I asked Miss Jojo, she is the one who did the Bible lessons with the kid. I asked, what were the four main scriptures that she used through the week? And I'm going to share them with you because it's spot on with what we're going to talk about tonight, today, today. The first one is Psalms 139.1. It says, oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Think about that. He knows us. The good and the bad. <laughs> he knows us. Better than our spouse, better than our kids, better than our coworkers. He knows us. You have searched me and you know me. And yet he still loves us. I know that's a no-brainer in church, but sometimes outside the church, that's hard for people to, to receive. But it's true. The next one is Psalms 116.1. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. The same God who created the heavens and the earth, created everything we know in existence today, knows us. Hears our voice. If you put that in big perspective, that's kind of a big deal. He loves you so much that he knows your voice. Think of a parent who can say their kid's name and that child instantly knows that voice. So he knows our voice, but on the reverse side, we need to learn his voice. That takes some time. I'm learning. <laughs> not going to stand up here and say, I got it. But, it. but I believe that's what we're called to do as we grow closer to him. The next one, the next night was Nehemiah 9.17. And this is the last part of the verse. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry, and rich in unfailing love. Rich in unfailing love. So remember, we're talking about Three and four-year-olds up to sixth graders that are hearing this. Some of them maybe for the first time. How important is it if they can start understanding it that we need to start understanding it too? There's nothing that we have done that will stop that love. And there's a lot of times the enemy comes in. See, the enemy, what he'll do is he'll take three-quarter truth and about a quarter lie. And he'll present it as the 100% truth. And if we believe it as 100% truth, and we don't go to Scripture and back up what we're hearing, next thing you know, we're professing what we believe to be true as a lie. And one of the things that the enemy will do is, he will try to convince you that you're unique and that God can't love you because of whatever thing in your past. And that is just not true. And so it was so neat to see these young ones, these, 
uh, preschoolers all the way up to sixth grade receiving that. Think of that foundation that was getting built this last week. That unshakable foundation. And the last night was Isaiah 43.1. And it says, I have called you by name. You are mine. Amen. Yes. That's exciting. We are his. And sometimes that's hard for us adults to understand too. So those are four big points that these kids are starting to understand. And we had some salvations. I don't know the exact numbers, but God is good. And he was there. He was here this week. And he, he talked and he spoke to those kids through our helpers. So right now, I'd like us to give a round of applause to the helpers. Yes. Yes. God is good. And he is here. And he was here this week. And I am excited to see that foundation that is growing in those kids. So as we talked about last week, we got to choose. We got to make that decision whether we want to sow into the flesh or we sow into the spirit. You guys know what scripture says, if we sow into the flesh, we reap destruction, right? But if we sow into the spirit, we reap eternal life. And so the title for today, I, I Miss Norma was doing the bulletin and I really was kind of jumbled on which direction I was going to go. And so it was getting close to time and I said, you know what? We just need to take some action on our decision. And so that's the title for today was action on our decisions. I think often... That we stop there. You see it too often. We see uh, whenever a new believer comes to Christ, they think that's good enough. That's another lie of the enemy. They think they check that box and they don't do anything else. That foundation does not grow deep. If you know the parable of the soils, they receive it with great joy, but soon, as soon as the hardship of life comes, they wither away because they have no root. Now, we all start somewhere, but it's up to us. We have to make that decision and have to choose to get our root deep, to build that foundation strong in the Lord. We talked about, uh, you know, quite a few things that made us do some self-reflection, right? We talked about only us, right? We can only look at us. We can't be nudging our spouses or our kids or giving a dirty look across the room, okay? So it's only us that we got to do some self-reflection. And the reason I bring that up again is today we're going to look at a parable to where there was a choice made. A choice that was made whenever all things else seem lost. But what I want us to do is I want us to look at it at different angles, You know it's your kid whenever the, the teacher comes up. You know, you just kind of go, oh, you know, okay. <laughs> you know? And that's, that's all right. Uh, Dalton, we always we say, it's not going to be, we're not going to be the parents. And when we get a call from the principal's office, you know, we're not going to be the ones. Are you sure it's my kid? We're going to be like, okay, how bad was it? You know, uh, I don't, I don't want to speak death. I, we're believing that that uh, his unique qualities are he's going to be a mighty man of God and he is going to stand for righteousness. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and, and I'm believing that. Uh, by the way, I'm just going to tell you a little bit more about us. This. this is not in my notes, so it's a commercial break here. 
But I want to tell you, I want to brag on God for just a minute. One year ago, if you didn't know this, most people don't know unless they know us, we adopted Dalton August 7th of last year. And yes, well, just yesterday took a year and we finally got his birth certificate with our names on it. So God is good. We can't lose hope. Okay, we can't lose sight of that. God's taken care of many things. It was a good day. <laughs> so if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. And it's going to be up here on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, I'd like us to read along together. There's something about reading it in your own Bible, especially if you have a chance to highlight, take notes, arrows, stars, whatever it is you do to, to make your mind pull that up again. Luke chapter 15. There's three parables that Jesus talks about here. The first one, talking about some sheep. You guys have heard the song probably we've sang in here, that reckless love. He leaves the 99 to find the one. Right? You guys have heard that. You guys have probably read this parable. This isn't the one we're digging into, but I want to make a point of this. The reason it's so important is because there's times we are that one. I was that one. That's why it matters. Jesus loves us enough. We heard what they learned in VBS. Jesus loves us enough. He knows us by name, he knows our voice, and he goes after us when we're lost. That one. The next one starts in verse 8, is of the lost coin. There was ten coins, she loses one, and she, she says she sweeps her house, and she finds that one coin. And then on both those, they rejoice, because that lost sheep or coin have been found. But what we are going to talk about today is the next one. And you guys probably know this as uh, the, the parable of the prodigal son or the, the lost son. But we're going to read it together. And we're going to read the whole thing. So we're going to start in verse 11 going through 32. And the reason this is so important to us today is because there's a chance that you might be like this guy who was that son, who chose the world over God. And unfortunately, that's part of my past, but I don't, I don't let it, people bring it up in a bad way. I say God is so good that he pulled me from that past, and he is using it today so that I can reach others. And if that's you today, that's the same mindset that we need to have. We're going to see that in this story. So read with me in verse 11, and we're, we're just going to go through it real quick. I'm reading out of the NIV. Your version may be a little different, but it's still the same story. So Jesus continued. He told those first two parables. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give, my share, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth with wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. 
So he went and hired himself out to, in, out to a citizen of that country who set him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and I am here starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast to celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property and with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. In my time, as the Lord's been working on my heart the last nine or so years, eight or, eight or nine years, in this transformation that he has called me to be, each one of us that we've called to be that new creation, it takes growth. We, we're called to go from the milk to the meat, if you guys know that. I have related with both brothers. That's crazy to think because I already told you I was that lost son. But I've related with both brothers as I've grown. And recently, I'm starting to relate a little bit with the father. I told you about <laughs> my oldest. We're going to have our own app too. And you, can, and you can watch online or you can watch on the app. So anyway, so I've related with all three. The first time I heard this, I knew it growing up, but the first time I heard this, I, you know, those, those, those tears come because I know who I was. And I think about that, that forgiveness and that grace that I was received, that we receive whenever we come home. But the reason the, the title is Action After Decision is we have to choose to come home. 
It's our choice. God does not make us. He longs for it, right? He loves us. But we have that free will. And that's a big difference between the first two parables. The sheep was just, you know, a dumb sheep. It got lost. It wandered off. I've never had sheep, but I've had cows, and they're, you know, kind of dumb too. Wandered off. The coin is an object. Had no fault of its own to be lost. But this was a human who God gave free will to go and wander off on his own. That choice thing again. Made that choice. So as we dissect this a little bit, my my Bible is a study Bible and it had some good footnotes. And I want to share a few of them with you. And then what the Lord showed me as well. As this is a refresher for you guys, let it be a refresher. Don't let it just be something I heard again. I've been through this. I know what he's going to say next. Let it be a refresher. You guys probably know where I'm going with this, but the reason I still want to bring it up is because there might be that one here today. You guys might be amongst someone who's about to make a decision that is going to ricochet their future for Christ. And I want to make sure we hear it again. So let it be that re- refresher. So the lost son. Do you guys realize that in those days, uh, it was two-thirds to the oldest brother and a third to the youngest? Uh, that goes all the way back to Deuteronomy, how they split it up. So a third of this guy's estate. He must have been pretty wealthy. The guy, Jesus, probably made it a point to make it to where he was a wealthy man. And in my, my study, or not study Bible, but in my children's Bible that uh, I read to my boys at night, this prodigal son is in there, and it makes him sound like kind of a, a little whiny little, uh, you know, kind of whiny little brat. And he goes, it goes, I want my money now. That's how it, it starts out. And so that's how I read it to my boys. But that's what he was doing, right? And he said, I'm not going to wait for you. I want my money. And at those times, there were some that would retire early and, and, and let the boys have the estate. But the boys never initiated it. So that was almost a blatant sign of disrespect instantly to the father. Don't you think the father knew what he was going to do? It was his son. The father knew what kind of person his son was. This wasn't a new thing, most likely. But that same free will, the father said, okay. You realize sometimes God gets us, gives us what we ask for? Look at the Old Testament. You know, he said, no, I'll be your king. You just worship me. They said, no, 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 no. We want to be like everybody else. Give us a king. He said, no, you're going to get enslaved. You're going to get, you know, it's going to be a bad deal. They said, nope, we want a king. So here comes King Saul, Right? Sometimes the Lord gives us what we ask for. This is a good example. The father knew what was going to happen, most likely. And so he said, okay. He split up the land. And you guys, you heard the story and you know the story. And you guys probably understand that uh, pigs were unclean. You guys know that the swine was unclean to them. Um, Personally, I'm glad I'm, you know, living the B.C. days. 
or I'm telling you ADE days, not BC days. I like bacon, okay? So uh, I'm glad that, you know, we don't have to follow those same rules. But at those times, they could not eat swine. But they took it as far as they would not even touch a pig, okay? Just think about that. They wouldn't even touch him. And this son got to the point, after his money was gone, that not only probably had to touch him, but he was willing to stoop so low that he was willing to feed him this unclean, filthy animal of a pig, and he's willing to feed it. And then it says, Jesus made it, you know, kind of drove that point home to those that were listening. He said, and he wished he could eat the food that fell out of the mouth into the trough. Even us, who think, I mean, you guys might think pigs are gross, I don't know. But, but even us, I don't think there's very many of us that would look forward and long to eat out of the trough of those pigs. That's how low it got. That's how low of a, of a, a point that he had to get into his life. Now, I'm going to throw in a, a little statement here. We do not have to hit rock bottom for God to change us. But does that happen sometimes? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. That stubbornness, that self-pride, that all those things, you know, that we have in the flesh that we feed into for years and years. Sometimes, yes, we have to hit that low as the prodigal son in the story. But I want to tell you, it does not have to be that way. Just like I said a second ago, there might be somebody in this room sitting in Golden City or at home watching right now, maybe watching later, I don't know. You don't have to wait till you hit rock bottom. You don't have to. That's a lie of the enemy to think that you got to get to your lowest point before God can do anything. I tell the youth, and this is what I want for my boys, I want... My boys and the youth that I have a part in to have that testimony of the one who stayed the course. Yeah. Don't have to have a testimony of a bunch of uh, drugs, alcohol, and abuse or whatever. We don't have to. Does that happen? Yes, it does. That's part of my testimony. But I don't want that for our youth today. I want that, that, that testimony when they stand up and say, you know, I, I listened <laughs> and I did, I, I, I did what I was supposed to. And the Lord blessed me. Amen. That's what I want to hear. But we know that's not always the case. And that may not be the case here. And that's okay. But I like how it said in the, the parable that it said he came to his senses. Now any of you that have, are born again, it's like a, a light bulb turns on. You kind of have that aha moment. And you, we come to our senses. And he, it said, out of nowhere, a thought arose in his mind. Maybe I ought to just go home. Pretty sure the servants that my dad has are eating better than me. Surely my dad will let me be a slave to him. Is that not the approach that we have with God sometimes? We believe that lie of the enemy that we're so worthless that we got to beg just to be a slave you see it with the, the, as Jesus was, you know, teaching the disciples, 
Even John the Baptist said, I, I'm not, I can't even wear those sandals. But Jesus said that I came to give you life more abundantly. He said, you're going to go do more things in his name. So as we're kind of going through this and, and we're making that decision of, of what kind of seed we've been sowing into, whether it's the flesh or the spirit or maybe we're the, the, one of the two sons, I want to bring up another point. That free will thing, God doesn't make us. You've heard it say that God is a gentleman. You know, some will argue with that, but I believe it. I believe God is a gentleman. He does not force us to do anything. Now, if we read the Bible, he's gonna, we know what we should do, right? But it's not forced. When he came back, the father saw him when he was afar off. You think the father was looking? I do. He might have been going about his business, but I bet he kept an eye on that horizon just to see. Believing and knowing that, that could, that's a possibility if that son would just turn and come back. And that is Jesus today. He's waiting patiently just as the father did. He's waiting for us to make that decision to come back to him. The coin, it wasn't going anywhere. It stayed where it was lost. The seeker had to find it. The sheep probably just kept wandering. Okay, The seeker had to catch up to it. And find, the shepherd had to find that sheep, that lost one out of the 99, and and leave the 99. But in this case, the seeker is also the one who is waiting patiently for us. And that might be us today. See, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how far along in your Christian walk you are. You might be digging into that meat and thinking this is, you know, old time stuff but what we're going to go into next is where i might maybe touch a nerve let's talk about that older son now at that time jesus was talking about the pharisees we know that right the those that that uh you know did good they dedicated their life to never doing any breaking any of the commandments and following all the rules that they had and I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but I've, we've been watching the Chosen series. I don't know if you guys have seen that or not. But it's given me a great picture of what the Pharisees might have been like, you know. And, and there's other videos and movies out there, and we can use our imaginations. But this series has really given me an in-depth kind of vision to be able to visualize this. And it, you kind of get to know some of the Pharisees by, you know, their character in this series. And at one point... They, they have this discussion and they, they, they have their, you know, everything on and they say, there is no way that I would stoop that low. There's no way that I would ever indulge in any of that because they were so self-righteous. They couldn't even see Christ right before their eyes. You guys know the story. Read, you know, read the New Testament. It's in there. But the reason I wanted to make the point of that is We have got to watch out that we are the big brother. We can be that big brother and not even know it. 
It may not be the case of a sibling. It may not be the case of of someone who uh, was there and then came back. It may be somebody that we've never met before. It may be somebody we've just heard of. It may be somebody that just has a certain appearance to them. And we need to make sure we're not that big brother. Now I'm going to have a timeout moment again. (laughs) If you're feeling that I'm talking to you, I'm not. Okay? That might be the Holy Spirit tugging. That might be the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you need to listen up. But I don't know how everybody thinks in here. Or especially, you know, I I can't even see the faces who might be watching somewhere else. But if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heartstrings, maybe we should listen. I thought of some examples where maybe I and we possibly have been the big brother. But once again, I'm not talking about anybody. No certain person comes to my mind. No, cer- no uh, circumstance comes to my mind. These are examples. But what about when someone walks in our door Sunday morning just like this and we know just a little bit about them. Maybe we know that they used to do drugs or they were a drunk. Maybe we knew that they had bankruptcy or or money problems. They're divorced, their race or their background. Maybe like a felon or a gang member. Someone who we know has had abortions in the past. Or maybe they were confused and and had a homosexual lifestyle for a little bit. Maybe they were simply, we were simply wronged by them. Wronged. As in, they hurt us. We were offended by something they did to us on this earth. No matter how long ago. Sometimes that lasts for a long time. Or maybe they have different political views. And they're loud about it. That's a big one today. How many times have we, including me, been the big brother and not real excited that they were here? We might not have said anything. We might not have shown it. But as we learned what the Lord or what the the VBS kids, the Lord knows us. He knows our heart. He knows our voice. He loves us anyway. (laughs) He's good. But he loves us. And so that's the challenge today. So as the praise team, I want you guys to come on up. The verses that the VBS kids did, he examined our hearts and he knows us. He hears our voice and our cries. He is gracious and full of mercy. And we are his and he knows us by name. That includes those that maybe we don't accept right off the bat. And so the big thing in the church world that we get to decide today is, at what point are we going to let God be the judge and not us? At what point do we say, welcome? At what point do they they start participating? Maybe even leadership. 
We have to make that decision. We have to choose to be the one that does not judge. We have to choose not to be the big brother who is angry whenever this son, of, he even says this son of yours comes back and you're going to celebrate. We need to be receiving like the father. And it may be in Golden City, it may be online, or it may be in here, but I feel like somebody's hearing it. And there might be somebody here today that is that one who says, I think I'm ready to make a difference. I think I'm ready to change. I think I'm ready to take action behind the decision. Be bold. Be fearless as the youth are learning. And say, yes, Holy Spirit, I hear that tug. I feel that heartstring being pulled. And I'm going to receive what you have for me today. So I simply ask you as we're, I'm running out of time very quickly. We got some songs to sing. These altars are open. If you need prayer for anything, you can come to me. I'm sure our altar teams would be willing to go back up there as they were earlier. If you're in Golden City, you got Pastor Jim and Suzanne, go to them in prayer and the altars are open there too. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you guys go home and watch this later or think about it later and that's whenever it clicks and that's when the Holy Spirit says, it's you. I'm talking about you. I'm talking to you. I want to challenge those people. Be bold. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell somebody about what Jesus is doing in your life. We should be excited about this. We should be excited that we still have breath in our mouth and in our lungs that we get to choose today that we are no longer going to be the big brother. And if we're the little brother who's lost, we're coming back anyway. Today, we get to choose. Today. That's exciting. I remember when it broke me, I was driving home from Camp Clark and I wept and bawled like a little child because I realized that it was done. Jesus let me come back. And I want that same for you today. I'm not saying you got to weep like a little baby. I weep, okay? <laughs> Didn't used to, but God softened my heart. Now I cry all the time. But I want that for you. We should all want that for each other, no matter what the background is. And maybe if we know we've been the big brother, maybe we need to reach out to those who we thought indifferent of. That's how we're going to build this church. That's how we're going to build that unity. So my simple question is, what are you going to do next? This is a call to action. What are you going to do next? We got a couple more songs and we're going to get out of here. And today is the day to make that decision. Please stand as I'm going to pray. And we're going to spend some time with the Lord in worship. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your love that, that you love us no matter what, no matter what we've done or no matter who we were. We thank you for loving us to help us to become that new creation in you. That the old is gone, the new is here, and that we are yours. 
I thank you that you know us by name. You know our voice. And so as we cry out to you, Lord, Holy Spirit, I invite you. I invite your presence here today. And let it be known that it is you, Holy Spirit. Help us to to make that transition from the person who we were to the person you called us to be. No matter how long we've been a believer in you, help us to make that decision today to drive forward and to press on in you. I invite you, Lord, here today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.